Lord, we come to you at this time, and Lord, as we turn to this portion of your word, Lord, that you would um, speak to us and teach us, Lord, uh, what it means to really have this meekness, um, and Lord, cause us to come before you, uh, to really uh, desire this uh, as your people. And God, we also just pray for the, uh, the volunteers that are serving in different uh, areas of this church, that you would um, use them. Um, and um, that, you would, uh, that your kingdom will advance. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, the, the title of my message is uh, The Blessedness of Meekness. Um, so <clears throat> question, so what comes to your mind when you hear the word meek or meekness? What comes to your mind? Does the quality of docile or tame come to your mind when you hear the word meek? Like a lamb? Like a sheep? Is that some of the first things that, things that may come to your mind? Or someone who is kind of like even-keeled? Someone who's like temperate? Right? Is that usually the, the image that comes to, the, the, is that the image that comes to our mind? You know, last Sunday, uh, there was a quote-unquote, like, controversy uh, that took place last Sunday. So President Trump, uh, after his round of golf uh, in Sterling, he visited on Sunday uh, McLean Bible Church during a service and unannounced. So the teaching pastor, David Platt, um, he had uh, only, like, a couple minutes to, to do what, what to decide what to do about this because uh, he was stopping by unannounced, and he wanted prayer for, from him. So he had a couple minutes to decide at the, minute, uh, at the last minute, and so he decided to invite him to the front. And then he quoted, uh, he talked about, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 talks about praying for the leaders, right? So he actually prayed for him for a couple minutes. And um, after that, he read, and I, I uh, I saw the, the video, and uh, it was really scriptural, uh, praying uh, for wisdom, discernment, uh, praying for unity, and all these things. And then there was, uh, afterwards, there was tremendous, like, backlash against him. Some from his own church people, you know, McLean Bible Church is a huge church, over 10,000 people. So obviously, there are people that are going to be offended that their pastor would pray for such a polarizing figure, controversial figure like President Trump. So they were really upset. And it's not just his church people, but in the wider Christian circle, Christian circle, they were like, how could he do that? Does he not know that there was an uproar and there was a mischaracterization of Platt as being a political pawn? Um, you know, he, don't you know that, you, that he is being played into this political figure? How naive, uh, how naive of him to ask him to and, and just pray for him in public. So he issued an email to people, to the public, and he apologized. He only had a couple minutes to decide what to do. It's not like it was announced that he thought about it for a while. But at the last minute, he was told that President Trump was in his way to pray, uh, that, to, be, to receive prayer. So remembering... Um, and thinking about the scripture, so he prayed 
according to the, what the scripture says. And, but he said, but I do apologize for some of us who may feel, who may be offended by this action. And so I thought the way he responded, I, I, I thought he did it really well, scripturally, biblically. And I thought that was like kind of being meek, right? If it was me, I'd be like, how dare you? How dare you question? You know, I only had a couple minutes to decide and like, what's wrong with, you know, praying according to the scriptures? What's wrong with you people, right? Uh, just get, a, get off your high horses, you know. You think you're better than me? So I would be, that would be my reaction. But uh, Pastor Platt, he acknowledged some of the people that were offended by his action and said, all I want to do is to unify the church and honor God. Right? We live in an age of, uh, age of uh, outrage. Just about anything can be misconstrued as political posturing. Um, and just in every arena of our lives, civility and meekness are called for and it's desired by a lot of people. Hey, we should be meek. We should be decent. So that's what's called for in every uh, arena of our lives. So it's understandable that when, it, when we come to this beatitude, blessed are the meek, we easily read it as Jesus telling us to be mild-mannered. Right? Oh, Jesus is telling us to be meek in our relation to other people. So I should try to be nice to other people. I should be nice to my family members, to my siblings, my parents, my relatives. I should be nice to my coworkers, the people in my class. I should be nice to my neighbors and whatnot. Right? That's how we may come to under, uh, we, uh, understand. Let there be light. Um, and so thank you. And now I can read uh, the, the manuscript here. Um, and so not be, just don't get angry with people, but just be mild, or just be mild-mannered, and just be nice to people. And that's how we may come to understand this passage, this one verse that we read. And that's how I used to read when I was younger, when I didn't really have much understanding of the whole thing. So I read it as something that I have to do to achieve on my own, to receive God's blessing. Hey, he says, blessed are the meek. Hey, so that means... Then I, if, I want to get, if, if I want to get blessed by God, then I better be nice to people. So that's how I understood it. I gotta be nice to people, be meek to other people. But as it has been um, mentioned by Pastor Jay previously, the Beatitudes describe the spiritual realm, right? So this Beatitude does not refer so much to an attitude toward other people in our relation to other people as to spiritual meekness. What Jesus is talking about here is not us really just being meek to other Of course we should, but what he's really primarily talking about is not our relation to other people, one another. Be meek, be nice to other people. That's not what he's talking about. He's really primarily talking about our spiritual disposition before God, right? In other words, he's talking about an attitude of humility and submission to God. Blessed are the meek, it means we are to have and maintain an attitude of humility and submission to God. Right? 
Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be meek and be nice to other people. We absolutely, we absolutely need to. But Jesus is really talking about our spiritual disposition before a holy, almighty God, having that humble posture before God. That is a primary concern, primary focus that Jesus has in this passage. And these verses, as you are going through the Beatitudes, they reveal the qualities and the characteristics of children of God. You know how like, when we go to a concert or go to a, a conference, sometimes just to let you know that you register, you paid and things, that you belong to that, uh, you are allowed to go into the conference or the concert, they give you the wristband, right? That you just wristband that you show it here, you know, I, I can go in, right? That kind of set you apart from the rest of the people, that the general public, right? Likewise, these are the characteristics, the Beatitudes, are the qualities and the characteristics that we have as people of God, as children of God. These are the th qualities that set us apart from the world. Right? So that's why Jesus says, people who belong to God are poor in spirit. They do mourn over sin. And the people who belong to God are meek towards God and therefore meek to other, other people, right? But once again, the main focus here is on spiritual meekness towards God. And of course, we still struggle with our sinful nature, so we need a greater measure of meekness and humility. And we definitely need to grow in that area, but it does not really come from us. It comes to us by God's grace as we turn to him. So the first thing I want to just talk about is what is humility, right? What is humility? Meekness, spiritual meekness or humility. So let me start by saying what this meekness or humility is not before God. You know, sometimes we confuse these things as humility, but these are not necessarily humility. Modesty, being modest, or being decent. Well, in relation to other people, when we talk about our relationship with other people being modest, being decent, they can come across as humility, but before God, I don't know. If you were to say, well, God, you know, I gave $30,000 last year to church, and I served a lot, God, and um, yeah, it's, not, it's no small amount, but, you know, you know, I thought the church would need it, so I gave some decent amount of money to church, right? So I'm not going uh, to drum it up. I'm just going to downplay it, you know? Well, would that really be considered humble before God, right? If you simply just shrug it off as if, as if it's no big deal to do all those things, right? Kind of being decent or being modest about what you have done. And that is not humility, before God. Neither is being compliant. Sometimes we may, uh, compli being compliant, we may consider that as being humble, right? being really compliant to the leaders, to what the other people are saying. Right? Not necessarily. You can be compliant all you want, but it really comes down to your heart. It's your heart's disposition, your attitude, right? 
being externally uh, and behaviorally compliant does not, tell you, does not tell you what's really in your heart. The Pharisees, they were compliant. They obeyed the law. Whatever the, the, the law said, they obeyed externally. So when people looked at them, wow, they are fasting twice a week. They are giving uh, almsgiving to the poor, doing all these things. And say, wow, what a great, you know, just great, humble people of God. They really love God, but it was only the externally. They were just doing it outwardly without really having that humble heart and genuine love for God. So just being, being compliant also is not being humble. Sometimes we think that these are what it means to be humble, being decent, being modest, or being compliant. That's not necessarily the biblical definition of humility. And this verse of being meek or humble goes hand in hand with verse 3, right? Blessed, is, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, being desperate, having that poverty spiritually, recognizing that we are spiritually bankrupt, that there is nothing that we can uh, just bring to the table before God, right? So then what is humility, right? Humility is recognizing who God is and who we are in light of who he is. Humility is recognizing who God is and who we are in light of, uh, in light of who he is, right? So once again, really the, the, at the heart and the core of humility is our understanding of who God is. And also, not only that, but also understanding who we are in light of who God is. Right? That's what humility really is. Proper and biblical understanding of God and us will lead us to humility. We look to God and understand that he is infinitely holy and almighty. That we understand, we know that God cannot tolerate sin. But at the same time, God is love. And so we have a problem because of our sinfulness. And God deals with the dilemma of our sin, his holiness and his love, the dilemma of our sin, through the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus satisfies both his demand for righteousness and love for us by sending his son, Jesus, to, die on the, uh, to be sacrificed on the cross. That whoever believes in Jesus as his Lord and Savior will receive the forgiveness and the reconciliation with God. So when you, when you believe with all your heart that God is a holy and loving God and that we are helpless sinners and yet forgiven forever by Jesus Christ and that we are now beloved and cherished children of God, when we come to that recognition and understanding, that's when we truly can become humble. So not only we focus on the, the holiness, and holiness of God, oh God, I, I am a sinner, and then just feel guilty and condemned all the time. That's not also humility, right? Or we only simply thinking about who we are. Oh, God loves me. Great, now I can go to heaven. So now I can just go on and just do whatever I want to do because I'm going to heaven, right? That is also not the right understanding 
understanding who God is and who we are in Christ, that's when, when we understand that and believe it in our heart. That's when we become humble. You know, so humility is not thinking less of yourself. Man, I think I'm somebody, but I got to think less of myself. And that's how I used to think of humility. It's like, you know, I really feel like, you know, deep in my heart, I feel like I'm up here. But, oh, you know, the Bible always says I should be humble. Oh, okay, so then I shouldn't think that high of myself. So I'm going to think uh, less of myself. Uh, even though I really think that I'm pretty a decent Christian, I go to church, I, I, uh, I go to you know, I, I go to all these different things. I know the Bible. I read the Bible. I do my quiet time and all these things. I'm, I feel, so I think I'm a pretty decent Christian, but the Bible tells me to be humble, so I should think less of myself, right? So I try to just shove it down, and there's a, I got to, like, just be humble. But you see, when I think like that and my attitude that way, what happens is my focus is on me, myself, and I. Right? As I I'm thinking about me. Like, I re, I'm, I'm like a... In a scale of uh, 1 to 10, I'm like an 8, right, Christian, or 9 or something. But, you know, I should really think of myself as a, a 2, a scale of 2, Christian. I should have, oh, that's like what it means to be humble. So, you see, I would always be in this uh, comparison mode. I always compare myself with other Christians. Like, mm, you know what, when I see that brother, when I see that sister, uh, like, I think I'm a little better than, I think I'm more mature. I think I'm hum, humble, uh, more humble than, than they, or like, I think I'm more spiritual than they. And so when I see some other people that seem more mature, ooh, okay, I should aspire to be more like him or her, right? And so I would always try to compare myself in comparison to other Christians, and then that was the, the measuring stick for how, uh, uh, of how humble I was. Right? That is not humility, thinking less of myself. Because once again, your focus and the center of your attention was, is on you. Right? But the biblical humility, it starts with God and it ends with God. It's about really understanding how worthless and unworthy we are before a holy God because of our sin. But at the same time, not only simply feeling condemned and guilty all the time about how uh, woeful we are, but to, un to understand, and yet in, in spite of all that, God has redeemed me. God has brought me into his kingdom through his son, Jesus Christ. What grace, what forgiveness, what mercy that I have in God, that God would love such a wretched person as I am. Thank you, Lord. Wow, what grace. Thank you, right? So having that right understanding of who God is, and also having the right understanding of who we are in Christ, right? That's where that will be the beginning point of our understanding of humility. It's not about being comparing ourselves to other Christians. And man, that guy, yeah, he, well, when, he, when I listen to his prayers, man, he looks pretty mature, right? So you feel kind of bad and, oh, I should, okay, I, I should just be a little bit more humble, right? Once again, the focus is on man, not on God. The biblical humility, it all starts with our understanding of God, right? And understanding who we are, wretched sinners and yet forgiven and beloved by God through Christ. That's when we truly can become humble before God.
So that, that is the definition of uh, humility. And the second point that I want to bring out to you is the peril of pride. The peril of pride. We need to really watch out also for false humility. Yes, there is such thing as false humility. Right? You may just kind of like, oh, no, I cannot do this. You know, you, your pastor has been praying and then just maybe ask you or uh, another leader can ask you, hey, would you consider being part of this ministry? Would you consider serving? And oftentimes, people, they were just, it's like an excuse, it's almost using it as an excuse, false humility as an excuse. Oh, I cannot do that. I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not worthy to serve, right? So because I am nobody, so I'm just going to step back. I'm just going to just wait or just do what I want to do, right? It may sound, it may seem humble, but it can also be false humility when saying because your focus is on you, yourself, of what you can do and what you cannot do. And, oh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like that. I'm not mature. I'm not ready. Right? The humble people, it's not about like you, right? It's about what God calls you to do. Because uh, false humility also is a form of pride. And pride... It's the very first sin. It precedes Adam and Eve. We may think that that's when pride came into, uh, was introduced. But Satan, right, he says, I, according to the scriptures, I will ascend to heaven and set myself on throne. I will become equal with God. I'm going to be as great as God himself. I'm going to compete against God. And that's what Satan did. And so that's why he is a, he, he's fallen. Pride is not just a sin, but it's the essence of all sins. Pride is not just a one sin, but it really is, if you think about it, it's the essence of, uh, essence of all sin. It seems to be the most serious offense against God. In Proverbs 16.5, uh, it says this, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. It is an abomination to God, whoever is arrogant and proud. Right? You can sense the resolute determination of God against the proud. Okay? Be assured, make sure no one's going Whoever is uh, a pr- a prideful will not go unpunished notice or go unpunished, I will make sure, I, I will see to it that that person will get what he deserves. Right. Let me ask you, uh, what do you guys hate? What do you guys really hate the most? Dallas Cowboys? Hmm? Uh, or um, morning traffic? Racism? Politics? And we have like a laundry list of things that we hate. Right? Whether they are justified or not, Right? Regardless of what we hate, there is nothing like God hating pride. Right? His hatred is absolutely unbiased, pure, and holy. For us, our hatred, even though, however, it seems really righteous and right, but we still have our own bias against a lot of things, even when it comes to racism or even when it comes to other things, because we are tainted by sin. 
But God's hate towards pride is not biased, right? And it's pure and holy. Why does God hate pride so passionately? Because it is a human attitude, aspiring to the status and position of God. That's why. Because it is our uh, unrelenting desire and attitude to compete with God and to try to take his position, what belongs to him, what is rightfully his, and we try to constantly take that away from him. Pride contends for supremacy with God. Essentially, pride is saying to God, pride is declaring war on God. It's like, if you will, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to enter into this UFC octagon, if you will, with you, God. I'm going to beat you down. I'm going to bring you to submission. And that's what pride is. We are declaring, say, God, I'm going to compete with your supremacy. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to beat you. And that's the essence of pride. When we realize that's what pride is, instead of simply saying or confessing, Oh, God, forgive my pride, right? Instead of saying it and making it so general, we can be a little more specific and say maybe we can say, God, with that action, with that speech, with that thought, with this attitude, I was contending for supremacy with you. I was battling and I was fighting against you to have, to have an upper hand in this matter or in this situation. If you say something along that line, recognizing that we are fighting against God and trying to have an upper hand against God, I think that will add greater and more gravity and seriousness to what we do when we are proud, when we have that, that, that element of pride in our lives. Right? Pride has many forms. It comes in all shapes and sizes, but has only one end. It is self-glorification, self-assertion, right? That's the, only, that, that's the ultimate end, trying to glorify ourselves. I'm going to be above God. I don't care what God says. I don't care what God has, what kind of plan he has for me. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to compete against him. I'm going to, you know, just step on him. I'm going to do what I want, right? It doesn't matter what God says or what he's calling, right? We see God actively opposing the proud throughout the scriptures. And there is, there is nothing worse than God opposing you, right? Man or this, even the Satan opposing you, well, it's difficult. It is hard. But you can always turn to God and find strength, wisdom, and guidance in those difficult situations. When it, the world is against you, when, the, when your, uh, your boss is against you, when your uh, people uh, are against you, turning against you, you can still find comfort and strength by turning to God. But can you imagine God opposing you? Good luck. What do, who do you got then? If you, you being proud, us being proud and God is opposing the proud, can you imagine what that's going to do to us? Right? All these other things, we can endure and persevere 
because if we are on God's side, but if we are being proud before God, then God would oppose us and there is no one, absolutely nothing that we can lean on or turn to. We must always be on our guard against pride because it will rear its ugly head at any given moment. Left to ourselves, we are just fine in our own eyes. Whatever we think, whatever we do, it's what we do whatever we pl- uh, what pleases us, and then we think it's just fine. Right? Whatever makes me feel good, whatever that makes me happy, I'm going to do it, regardless of what the Word of God says. We've got to watch out for that. Without being on guard, we are going to only bring glory to ourselves. That's what we're going to work towards at all times, apart from the scripture and apart from the spirit. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2 says this, All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. You see that? He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. He will search. God will search and look upon the earth. And he will highly esteem humility. No wonder God's people are characterized by humility. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. That is the characteristic of God's people. And Jesus says, to those who are meek and humble, the kingdom of heaven belongs. Right? That you become, you, that you are, you belong to the people, uh, you belong to God. And that's what inheriting the earth means here. The last point that I want to bring out to you is cultivation. Cultivation. I don't want to leave you with just explaining what humility is and what pride is. I don't want to conclude this message by saying, so just be humble. I want to give you some suggestions to cultivate a life of humility. It's not enough for us to admire the quality of humility. It's really easy for us to talk about the importance of humility while staying proud. And I'm not, I'm not saying this because I have mastered it. You know, far from it. You ask uh, my wife, she'll tell you that I, I, I am far from it. So I am not, uh, I'm not saying this because I am qualified to speak on this matter. Right? But it's something that I think we all can strive for and really just cultivate in our lives. As the people of God, as we live a life characterized by humility, something that we can continue to cultivate and just work on. Right? The first thing is always remember that our pattern for meekness and humility is Jesus. At all times, be reminded, remember, that our pattern is Jesus himself. Oftentimes, we compare ourselves, as I said before, compare ourselves with other Christians or even pastors or some other more mature Christians or even somebody who, is le- who, are, who we consider less uh, mature and say, oh, at least I am better than him. At least I come to church. At least I pray. Right? 
that is not really the way for us to really cultivate a life of humility. Because our pattern, our ultimate, and the only example has to be Jesus Christ himself who submits to the will of his Father. I mean, look at the life of Jesus who would submit himself. Even at the Garden of Gethsemane, that he would, at the point of such a torment and struggle, he would turn to God, and yet he would say, not as I will, but as you will, right? I will submit myself to you, even though Jesus himself was God himself, and yet he submits his will to the Father's will, right? We have to always remember, we cannot, the moment that we start comparing ourselves to other people and feeling good or feeling bad about ourselves, that it is a wrong place to start. It's like, you know, just trying to just like button down your shirt and then you start from the wrong place and it is completely off. That's how it is. If our quest for humility comes from our focus on me and other, in comparison to other people. That will never work. It will never get us anywhere in our uh, understanding of humility. Always fix our eyes on Christ. Right? Without turning to uh, Jesus and depending on him, we will not have humility. As long as our eyes are on ourselves or other people, to somehow produce humility, we will fail because the humility does not come from within. We are spiritually, once again, bankrupt. We have nothing righteous and good in us, right? So you can't just try to milk it all you want. There's not going to be nothing that will come out of ourselves. Trying to, trying to be humble on our own strength. We have to always look to Christ, right? And um, also, begin the day, I would suggest, Begin the day acknowledging your dependence on God and need for him. Begin your day, right? Acknowledging your dependence on God and need for him. You know, pride is not passive. It does not rest or sleep when you, when you go to bed the night before, right? From the moment that we wake up, the pride is at work. So we have to be ready. We have to be decisive. We, we have to declare war on pride at all times from the get-go. Right? How we start the day often sets the tone for the day. So can you imagine if you just start out the day really prideful and just kind of say, I, I don't need you, God. Right? It will most likely carry us through because there are so many things happen throughout the day. Right? I mean, you have to just deal with your boss, all these like, deadlines at work or, you know, just like exams to study for, projects to complete, right? We're going to go through emotional roller coaster throughout the day. So start the day by acknowledging our dependence on God. God, I need you, right? I really need you today. Start that from, from the, from the get-go. It doesn't have to, I'm not saying just pray like a 30-minute prayer or anything, but simply turn to God, quick prayer, like for me, um, it, it, personally, it, it works best for me um, to just start the day first thing in the morning to pray because once, once I start, start get going and then once I just start com- turning on the computer, that's it. I mean, I'm not going to, it's really unlikely for me to really pray during the day unless it's like 
at the very end. And at times I'm just like tired or something. So I struggle with my prayer if I just push it until the end. So I just I try to make it a point. I don't do it every day, but I try to make it a point to pray in the morning. First acknowledge God at the beginning of the day because once I, what, if I do not commit the day uh, in prayer to God and then start the day, my pride is going to work around the clock 24-7. Try to make me get more independent from God. Try to do things on my own strength. So I would suggest start the day, even with just quick, simple prayer, acknowledging our dependence and a need for God. And also begin the day expressing thanks to God. Because ungrateful person is a proud person. Think of a person who is not thankful. He's an entitled, arrogant person. Right? Remember this, when you have a hard time giving thanks to God. At all times, we are really doing better than we deserve. Even when we are going through the most difficult, stressful situations, if you think about it, we are actually doing better than what we truly deserve. Because God still has our back. God still is on our side. God is our God. He is for us and not against us. So at all times, thinking about how unworthy we are, that we are actually doing better than we truly deserve, and we think like that, I think that can just allow us to be more thankful in our lives. Right? Starting the day complaining, it's not going to lead us to a life of humility. If you just wake up in the morning and say, oh, here goes another day. Oh, I'm, I, I'm just sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of this and that. And then just start complaining. More than likely, I, my bet is that you really, can't really just lead a life of, life of uh, humility if you start that way. But if you can't really just think, okay, you know what? I'm tired. Uh, I, I'm pressed. But Lord, actually, I am doing better than I truly deserve before you, right, and give thanks to God. Start the day that way also can help us in our, you know, uh, uh, quest uh, for, for humility in our lives. And, you know, also just uh, I can suggest maybe use the commute uh, to just, you know, lift up a prayer and once again commit your day, commit your um, situation to God, uh, whether you are in the metro, driving, what have you. Right? Just commit that time to the Lord. And that can, I think, just help us in our understanding. And the last thing is, at the end of the day, um, transfer the glory to God. Right? At the end of the day, so you start the day that way, giving thanks to God and just acknowledging our need for God. And then at the end of the day, transfer the glory to God. Whatever the good that we may have received throughout the day. Some, sometimes, you know, we have pleasant days and pleasant surprises and good things happen. Then acknowledge that the Lord was gracious to give you the good things and give glory to him at the end. So you just give glory to God. Thank you. Whoa, I didn't know that I was going to get the promotion. I didn't know that I was going to get the compliment from uh, my boss. Um, I said, thank you, Lord, for being gracious to So you always try to just deflect and just give credit to God. And I think as we do these things, these are really practical things, I think it can really help us in our lifelong discipline. And humility is what God is calling for as his people. So as we continue to do so, may we really just turn to him and learn to cultivate this life of humility.
Let's, let's go before the Lord. Let's take a moment to um, pray. Um, blessed are the meek and the humble before God. For they shall inherit the earth. And that's what Jesus tells us. As people of God, for those of us who belong to Christ, this is our characteristic. Once again, this cannot, the humility does not come from us trying harder and harder and trying to compare ourselves to other people. But when we look to Christ, recognizing that we cannot make this happen on our own, it's not about thinking less of ourselves, but really thinking nothing of ourselves, but turning our eyes onto Christ, understanding who God is, what a holy and loving God he is, and who we are in Christ in light of who he is forgiven sinners beloved children in spite of our unworthiness by his grace when we really come to that understanding that's when we can really start the journey of humility so let's go before the Lord at this time so instead of just praying God I want to be humble so just give me humility Uh, instead of praying like that maybe we can also Um, confess our tendency of trying to usurp God's throne, acknowledge that we are trying to compete against God for supremacy in our lives, that we are trying to wrestle against God, trying to come on top of him. It's unthinkable, but that's what we do when we are being proud and declaring independence from God. So let's go before God, take a moment to pray.